I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me from the Satellite Branch, lounging in scenic Hamilton, Ontario, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Let's do this! Jesus, she's so fucking amped for nature, y'all. We're going to get into that. You, you, have to, you have to wait, though. You have to wait for the second half of the show. We have other things to get through first. This is episode 240, which is the weight we can bench. Bro, do you even lift? Yeah! <laughs> it's really, it's really not. If you want to go back and listen to all of our other 239 episodes of this program, you go wherever you get your audio content. Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Give us a like, follow, subscribe. Henceforth, new episodes of this program. You don't ever have to worry about how they're going to come. They're a lot easier to find than a vaccine in Ontario because they come directly to you from the back of a rainbow mane alicorn named Philip by your mans. Chauncey! Chauncey, Frostilicus the third, Geek down, internet elf! Good lord, girl. He's just going to slap those episodes of this program directly into your device automatically every time a new one arrives. Can I just say that one of the one of the things I am channeling is something we spoke about last week, I believe, off off the mic, mm. which was the AEW intros. <laughs> and I may have verged slightly into just like intros, <laughs> just wrestling intros in general. Just re- wrestling intros. Um, what are some of my favorite wrestling intros? Quick off the top. Um, John Cena's miraculous return much earlier from an injury. He was the number 30 participant in the Royal Rumble that year. Surprise entrant. Huge pop for that one. Um, Edge returning at Royal Rumble 2020, I believe. Also a very good a very good pop. And uh, just low-key, any Undertaker WrestleMania entrance from, like, WrestleMania, like, 14 yeah. on is probably, probably really good as well. Um, yeah, there's a couple, like, there's, like, some older ones... Um, like, like the Sandman and like, oh fuck, yo shit, you went deep, holy shit. Like, I well, things just like popped up, right? And I was like, well, what's this one? And then (laughs) that was one of the ones that stuck out. Um, Ric Flair actually, like Nature Boy Ric Flair, Mm -hmm. like, (gasps) he just has that energy, like that weird, charismatic, bizarre energy all the time. (laughs) Uh, yeah, there's just, yeah, and there were some group ones that were really good, too, so. Friends, what's your favorite wrestling entrance package? <laughs> Hit us up at twitter.com slash geekdownpod. That's where the show lives on the social media. Let us know everything you're thinking. Uh, if you would like to support this endeavor financially, I mean, don't. Times is hard. No. We appreciate keep, keep it. Keep your change. But you can, if you so choose. Buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod, which is what someone who didn't listen to us did today. <sighs> Shouts to the number one Geek Down fan globally recognized, your girl Kira. Yas Queen. Gave us a little little dap through the through the Ko-Fi. This is probably, we are almost at the anniversary that we met Kira, I feel like. 
<clears throat> no, I guess it would have been May, because TCAF always happens around the May, the yes. May long weekend, right? And it all happened all at once, and it was crazy. It was the best and weekend in the history of this podcast. I'm not going to lie. It's kind yeah. of been downhill yeah, ever absolutely. since. But <laughs> yeah. But that is when we met a uh, wonderful a wonderful uh, young person from uh, Australia who rides or dies for this show to a degree that I don't know that we <laughs> always we deserve. deserve but. but we appreciate her. She also told me she likes uh she loves she likes the influx of Simpsons drops lately that I've been using. And I said, well, that's appropriate because I basically have one of those do it for her signs with her tw- with her Twitter pictures in it above my laptop when it's time to edit. Uh, no banana. We love you. We thank you. That was crazy unnecessary, Kira. But uh, if any of you want to learn from Kira's <laughs> example, <laughs> ko-fi.com/slash/geekdownpod. We humbly accept your kudos through the wonders of e-commerce friends uh despite last week saying that i didn't want to spend too much time on the chicane fuck that is uh the just living in duckfords ontario that caitlin and i have to endure i wouldn't be bringing it up if it wasn't for the fact that like minutes after we hit the stop button and hung up the phone and and wrapped another wonderful recording sesh uh i got tipped off by someone cute that the uh Minimum age for the AstraZeneca vaccine in Ontario was being dropped to 40. As an old, that meant I qualified. Yeah, you are so old. So I have to listen when I get my superpowers before you. <laughs> you <be> laughing then. <laughs> for your tail. <laughs> um, and I know I made jokes before on the show about I, didn't, I wasn't fucking with AstraZeneca. And because it was like the no-name yellow label just said vaccine on it type stuff. Ha ha, it was all very funny. Them's was just jokes. I hope you all realize that the second they could put anything in my arm, I was getting it. He was there. I was thinking the other day, I'm probably going to cry when I get it. Because it's going to be the first tangible, like, idea that we could be coming through this. It's very possible. Because <laughs> I have been alone in this apartment for a real long time, y'all. Oh. It's been wild. But as we live in Doug Ford's Ontario, acquiring any sort of information about how to get said vaccine has been. I'll put it to you like this. I saw a tweet thread where a woman was trying to book for her mother who lived in Nova Scotia and her husband who lives in Ontario. And for her mother, she went to one provincial website. She put in some information. They contacted her. They set up the appointment. She went to the appointment. She got the vaccine. And she said in Ontario, it is literally the Hunger Games. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Someone uh, who I respect very dearly has uh, started calling them the polio games fuck me like <laughs> i am now in like if, if i wanted to be real with myself four demographics because i live in a hot spot i am now 40 plus i am let's be honest have the acceptable body mass index to be put not to be considered a high risk uh, group do you think i can find anything meanwhile my 20-something co-workers who live in a hotspot that is being taken just skirt on through and <laughs> dance out with their vaccines. <sighs> I, called my lo- I called my local – I called my local – this is the last I'm going to say about it, y'all. I'll, you know, last time, hopefully next time I talk to you about it, I will uh, have had it. But I – one of my other uh, co-workers at Major Canadian Retailer uh, dipped early yesterday, and she is – uh, in 
40 plus. She was heading to her local shoppers to get it. And I was like, what the fuck? How? Like, I'm on, like, 19 wait lists. Like, all I did last week was just put myself on wait lists everywhere. Right. And she's like, well, I called. And immediately I was like, eh. Because. <laughs> oh, no. Because <laughs> I still am who I am as a person. Um, but basically her and, like, the GM and then another manager were all just like, call. Call now. <laughs> it was like they basically shoved me out of the room to go call my local pharmacy. And I did. And I spoke to a wonderful gentleman who was like. Inform me that they are taking appointments. It's not like appointments are booked up. They just don't have any to hand out right now. Right. And he was, you know, very hopeful. That gentleman was very hopeful that some might arrive that afternoon. And I should check back uh, later in the afternoon. And I called later in the afternoon again. Talked to someone. Know nothing. And then it's kind of on my way home from work. So I popped in and talked to a much sadder gentleman. <laughs> oh, is, was it the same gentleman that he just got progressively <laughs> I mean, sadder through the day? I really hope not. But, I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, I was one person. as, And I always try to be empathetic in these situations. And, like, you know, like, I get it. My job is I work 90% in a customer service field. And, I mean, you know. I've seen people get mad when, like, you know, their fucking marble plate or some shit isn't up to their liking. So when you're talking about, you know, literally life and death issues, I'm sure people get a little more amped up. <laughs> so. Yes. I always try to be empathetic in these situations. And I walked in and I was just, I wasn't even trying to press him or anything. I was just kind of like, can you give me some insight into, like, how often you're getting it? Like, if you're telling me you're not going to get any next week, I won't bother you. And, like, I won't be, you know, I'll hit you up week after and I was just kind of like how's the supply been and he just looked at me and was like it's been bad <laughs> <laughs> and I went well fuck alright <laughs> so that's where we are in Ontario this week <laughs> just wild your boy Dougie came out we mentioned a couple weeks ago that he had tried to lay out all these uh, he was really dad was really dropping the hammer closing the parks again um, yeah Telling you, not giving you paid vacation days to Still. stay home if you were sick, Still. but just going to close all those jungle gyms and parks yep. because, you know, that's spreading the virus. It's not. But construction never stops. Um, no. And if you violate it, the police could ticket, could stop you and ticket you or ask you if your trip was essential. That seemed yeah. like it was uh, poised to work seamlessly. Uh, as we said at the time, didn't even get that far because even the cops were like, nah. Um, and then there was that one cop. I, I don't know where it was. It was like, I feel like it was Brampton or the guy, the, the police officer who pushed that 12-year-old. Roughed up a 12-year-old? Yeah. Uh, that was in, that <laughs> I was was in Brampton, like, I think. Wow, wow. Lovely. This is just to put like, just just put a point on it. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen. all. We knew, even though the cops said that, there were still probably going to be stories like that, and there were. The one, those are the ones we know about. Were there others? Probably. Um, I've seen on, you know, I saw on Twitter people mentioning other issues like that. Um, Dougie then came out on fuck, what day was it? Thursday. I don't know. I'm not paying attention. It was he he ducked. The motherfucker hid for like four days. And then they tried to put out that, like, oh, someone in his office, he's quarantining because someone in his office was, uh, was you know, diagnosed or, you know, confirmed case of COVID in, in his office. And everybody immediately went, how nice for him to be able to stay home with paid Ooh, sick days. girl. So Dougie had to come out and give a, give a voice-cracking apology. 
But yeah. well, you know, you know, we just <laughs> we just got it wrong, boys. <laughs> <laughs> we, just, we fucked it. We fucked it right up, boys. Uh, if you don't know why I'm laughing, please look up on YouTube Bubbles from the Trailer Park Boys, or like Best of Bubbles from the Trailer Park Boys, or Bubbles having a meltdown from the Trailer Park Boys. Boys, I'm gonna have a fucking meltdown here. And that is all you need to know. I watched a little bit of Trailer Park Boys. It it sometimes was fantastic, and sometimes just was like gross and crude and. And it's, it's but, still on in some form. What? I think it still exists. Like those three guys on the Trailer Park Boys, they like they run a bunch of they run showcase in Canada, I think. Um, and then they got they got picked up somewhere in the states, and then they ran for in the states for a while, and then they had a couple of Netflix exclusive series. And okay. then I think now I think they just own this kind of like they have a like just a web presence i think they own it all and they're trying to like keep it under their own roof now and they still do projects together including possibly like more seasons of the trailer park boys like this thing's been on for like it's like the fucking simpsons at this point like it's been on forever um anyway doug ford looks like bubbles is the point point. (laughs) people have been greatly enjoying uh the meshing of the premiere of ontario with uh bubbles the kitten loving uh resident of the trailer park (laughs) out on canada's east coast anyway uh, what else was happening in the world? I didn't see much nerd worthy. I mean, from just, you know, life and good for your soul. Uh, the conviction of Derek Chauvin on all three counts in the murder of George Floyd was nice. I mean, I guess. Yes. I mean, it's ba- complicated, but yes, it, basic. It, it's, I'd rather that than it not be that. Yes. I mean, do I think this guy absolutely should have got that yeah did i think it actually happened because um put it this way do i think the next guy do i think the next cop is going to get convicted no Hmm. no interesting (laughs) yeah there's it's a very complicated issue and there are much better people than us who are talking about it i mean talking at about that kind of thing they're not necessarily better than us than as people probably are (laughs) probably you know uh, but yes, there's a lot out there talking about, you know, what does the conviction really mean? Uh, some news outlets are like, oh, it'll change the world. I'm like, eh. Those people eh, are optimists. Not, not smart. <laughs> You're nicer They're than me. <laughs> well, friends, we're going to put a pin in news right there. Not that there was a ton of it to go into, or at least not <laughs> a ton that I saw that I cared to talk about. Uh, but we're going to move into updates because there is a momentous development in updates. That I didn't see coming, but I thought it was going to come next week. But it's here now. We'll get to that in a minute. Caitlin, what else did you get up to this weekend? (sighs) Okay, so I can't remember if I talked about it last week or if I mentioned it to you or somebody else, but I'm I'm done with Criminal Minds. (laughs) You didn't tell me you were done with Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds has been very tenacious in the update segment of this podcast. Yes. And every week I just say it's it's trash. And it is. And that's okay because trash is important because TV sometimes can be used just as like company, basically. Wallpaper. Um, yeah. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I've been watching trash for a really long time, but I would still really like some mysteries. So let's see what Amazon's got because they – I have BritBox and I have Acorn um, and they both have – 
foreign and British mystery series. Um, and I was like, okay, let's see what they've got. So I am going to run through a couple of the good ones I really enjoyed. Um, and then I'll get into a couple that we need to talk about. Can, can I so, can I just say briefly before you get into it? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interject. Uh, I just recently realized that a woman I work with is basically Earth Two Caitlin. Like, oh, she watches all this same shit too. And at one point, because it's the most ridiculous one you've ever brought up on the show to me, I was like, yeah, but what you know about Rosemary and Time? And she was like, I, <laughs> I've heard good things. I haven't watched it yet. Like she knew what it was. She knew. I was, I was like, wow. <laughs> Can I have your number? <laughs> have someone you need to talk to <laughs> well tell her just to you just have to listen to the whole show but just listen to this part <laughs> of the show. it's like scrub to uh like 28 minutes and you're gonna get all the all the heat rock takes you can all possibly good stuff. handle um okay so uh mcdonald and dodds is a new show um Lord came out in 2020 it's got two seasons but only of like two episodes each that british thing that that they do yeah um and it is about it's set in bath in england uh it's about a young female police officer mcdonald who goes to bath to sort of uh climb the ladder she always says and both in, in both episodes I watched, uh, I'm only here for two years. Um, mm. Like, don't get used to it. I'm only here for two years. Mm. And she's just like, I'm going to solve twice as many crimes and half as many time, half as much time. Um, and she's just like, go, 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 go. And then there's Dodds, who is, they've basically been trying to get him to retire for 10 years. <laughs> He's quiet and awkward and shy and in the losing his glasses. And this drives her nuts. And she doesn't understand why they've been assigned together and finds out from the police captain, I guess, that she would they would like her to like nudge him towards retirement. But through them working together on this case, find out she finds out that he's actually a really great detective. He observes things that other people don't. He has um, knowledge bases bases that other uh officers don't because he's a big dork basically and he's he's often in the library and she's like, why is he at the library? Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. The first episode was difficult because she kind of was mean to him, mm. um, but she learns that he has a lot of value, and in the second episode, they, their friendship sort of grows, and she comes to depend on him more. He does screw up a couple times, but um, uh, not really, but anyways. So it was good if you want something that has beautiful English scenery and is fun and not too serious show for you um there was always i mean i've talked about it before but always the classic is poirot with david suchet um always great single episodes you get your you know your case um he walks around like a small belgian man and he's fantastic <laughs> and he smiles knowingly at his compatriots all the time it's lovely um a newer show is, um, I mean, it's been made into series over the last, you know, couple decades, but uh, Maigret, which is set in the 50s. Um, it is based off of uh, the, I can't remember who wrote the books, um, but it's about Jules Maigret, who is a detective with the French uh, police. Um, and... Uh, 
the version I watched was uh, starred um, Rowan Atkinson, which people would know as Mr. Bean. Um, and it was it was pretty good. Uh, the show itself was great. It was nice to see a show um, do the detective work, um, which I find sometimes is missing. Um, and especially set again in the fifties. Um, and yeah, it was, it was fun. It was good. Um, uh, Ron Atkinson was good. He's a good actor. He just, he wasn't as sort of like maybe effusive or charismatic as some other, um, detectives like Poirot, for instance, but that's okay. It works. Um, always fun is, uh, Murder, She Wrote. Yes, still watch a murder she wrote as I file. Um, it just—they're so like fun and silly, and it's like in an alternate universe. And I wish I had a lot of friends who lived in wealthy places. Like the last episode I watched was set in like Monaco. It's not really set in Monaco, but it's set on the sound soundstage. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> now two two others I watched uh, mystery shows. I watched. Uh, I was not pleased with but i'm gonna at least keep trying with one of them i think so partners in crime partners in crime is one of those shows where it was made there was an, a version made in the 1980s i was gonna say with um, a title with title like that please tell me this was a reboot of some like 1970s well it's actually it's based off of uh agatha christie's husband and wife like sleuthing team okay um and it was said in 19 19- I think, well, I think her books, I don't know. She wrote for a long time, right? So some of them will start in like the thirties and we'll go into the fifties. But I think that this show, um, the remake of this show, which started in 2015, um, was pretty sure like set in the fifties. Yeah. It was set in 1950s Britain. Um, because it has stuff to do with the cold war. It's a silly show and it has one of my favorite actors, David Williams. Um, he was part of the comedic duo who did Little Britain, which is very time and place. If you watch it now, there's like so many cringy things. Um, but anyways, I, I really like David Williams. He's very charismatic. This is my problem with the show. If I can say the best best thing about the show is the intro, there's a problem. <laughs> oh, shit, girl. I've watched like 17 anime just for that reason. <laughs> um, the main characters, like I said, uh, are, are husband and wife duo, uh, Tommy and Tuppence Beresford. Um, the actress who plays Tuppence is fantastic. She's engaging and funny. Uh, her name is Jessica Rain, and she is, you know, nosy and gets them into lots of trouble. I don't understand why the character is married to... David Williams's Tommy Beresford. Um, he's not. Maybe it'll come up in like a, the second episode, but he's not as engaging. He. It's unfortunate because the character is made out to be sort of like a failure in everything he does, and I want him. I I want to see him be good at something. And there's a couple moments of that where he's figuring things out. Um, but there's not enough of that. And 
I started watching, I did start watching the second episode, but it's just stressful at this point because it's not like a, every episode is a mystery. Right now they're involved in this like spy thing going on with the Cold War. Um, and again, it's it's silly and, and supposed to be delightful, but there's, I don't know, pacing's weird maybe as well. And I keep on wondering why they're married. They don't <laughs> seem to like each other particularly. Um, so anyway, so we'll see what happens with that one. But I was I was disappointed because I was like, oh, look at this thing that has just popped up and it's set in the 1950s and it looks fun. And yeah, so. Uh, so if you've watched more of it and you want me to continue, please let me know. Um, finally, I've seen this come up quite a few times. Uh, it probably hits on my algorithm quite nicely. Tin Star. Tin Star. Tin Star. Tin Star um, stars Tim Roth, who I really like. And I especially like Tim Roth when he's not doing an American accent. Mm. His American accent is weird and squeaky. And I'm always <laughs> like, oh, Tim Roth, what are you doing? Um, so I, I hadn't ever really looked at the details of the show because I was watching trash like Criminal Minds and didn't need Tin Star. And I was like, when I read it, I was like, oh, that actually sounds really interesting. It is about a ex-undercover UK cop who's turned police chief of a small town in the Canadian Rockies. And he basically has to solve there's these big this big crime that's come to this very small town in the Canadian Rockies. I was like, oh cool. It's got Tim Roth, there's an Englishness to it, and it takes place in Canada. That sounds cool. It could be <laughs> <laughs> that I accidentally narrator voice, but it was not cool. <laughs> but it was not cool. It could be that I that I started accidentally on episode ten. <laughs> <laughs> so look, okay, I thought they were doing in media res. Okay, <laughs> I was like, that's a, such a cool way to start a show. It was like some there was she someone people were trying to like bury a body this woman was trying to scrub out the blood you didn't really know what was going on <laughs> and she sets the house on fire and i was like i was like oh neat they're starting like this is how things got fucked up and now we're gonna see how they get there and then they start in on this scene where basically tim roth is beating uh, someone to death with a bowling oh, not a bowling ball sorry um cue ball uh Pool. billiard ball in a sock which now i know makes a great weapon mm -hmm. um and i was like oh i don't like this <laughs> i don't like uh, i don't like t real torture like over the top violence i'm fine with because my brain is like this is silly it's over the top violence um but this was too real and i was like this is not episode one <laughs> um and sure enough i was at episode 10 and i read a little bit more about it and basically everyone is terrible and does terrible things and i was like this is not the show for me you were like peace out yeah i was like i am now done this is not media res i just i made uh an accident i i i there i accidentally stumbled into the fact that i would not like this show <laughs> I, I did a bad and it actually worked out so you know there we are um and then finally kind of in the same vein of mystery but a mystery from the past. Ooh. More digging Britain. Digging for Britain. The show that will inevitably put me to sleep. 
But it's still really interesting, so I go back and watch the episode. Refresh the listeners, i.e. me. What is Digging for Britain? Digging for Britain is a show on Amazon Prime. Um, I'm sure it's you can get it in other places and around the world. But um, basically, it's a show about archaeology all over Britain. Okay. Um, they visit several archaeology sites per episode, and they talk about, you know... Uh, what they're looking for, how they're looking for things, uh, what they found, why it's interesting. And they bring back the pieces and the um, archaeologist back to like a a studio or a museum to explain about the discovery and and what it means and, again, why it's important, which I think is a really interesting part of uh, archaeology that you don't always get in documentaries. Um, why does it matter that this, you know, jar has this type of pattern on it, right? Um, it is for super nerds, so beware. And it's not exciting at the level that maybe, I don't know, a Marvel television show and or movie is. It's just kind of like exciting for nerds who are like, oh, this is cool about history. Uh, yeah, so that's what I watched. Well. Speaking of Marvel television or movie shows, uh-uh, uh-uh, not yet. Uh-uh. You have to wait. Oh, okay. What did I get into? Uh, not a ton, and what I did get into is kind of a weird grab bag. Uh, I've just been working <laughs> too much, frankly. <laughs> I've been, uh, I'm clearly just not built to, like, function as, like, an employed adult, because basically... Until I have a day off, like, my just household, like, completely, like, falls apart. Like, I was looking at the state of this place today before we recorded because I'm off today. I was like, well, I know what I'm doing after I finish. I'm fucking cleaning this place. Good Lord. Because uh, it's basically just, I, I work, I come home, I get something together for dinner, and I just flump. And I assume that doesn't make me unique. I think many people, that's kind of yes, like how they get by. there's a lot of flumping in my household. A lot of flump. Um, so, to that end, there's been not a lot of dedicated appointment viewing for me. It's just kind of like, eh. What did I kind of fall into? Uh, Jesus and Mero remains a perennial favorite. Even old stuff. I just kind of been dipping back and forth between a bunch of these things. Uh, Jesus and Mero will feature <laughs> later on in the show. <laughs> FYI. Uh, what else did I get into? So we mentioned that I just want to shout it out, really. A couple shout outs, sort of. So we know that I just, one of my weird things, one to try and see how much I can understand at this point with, you know, what was it? 740 days of Duolingo lessons. Um, <laughs> keeping that streak alive. And just because, you know, they just kind of, they were, they were making me really happy during lockdown one are just these voice actress live streams and the Bandori franchise or bang dream girls band party. Um, still the worst, oh still the worst name ever. Um, they do streams all the time and they have had this one, dedicated stream uh that used to run on sundays they did it on friday this week called hello happy circle and it's hosted by of the many bands girl bands that are in uh this franchise there's one called hello happy world when you ever see you see any artwork from bandori there's a giant pink bear hello happy world is the bear band it's a girl Ah, the bear band that's really what you need to call it when you're talking to me it's the bear everybody knows the bear band (laughs) it's the bear band the gimmick being that the very like low key uh, Daria type girl who was in the bear costume, three of the remaining members don't realize that it's the same person. They think Michelle the bear is like a separate person. 
And it's play for laugh all the time. Yes. And she, because they're dumb. She calls, she calls them the, she calls them the three idiots. It's fantastic. Um, also, the band that features uh, the like you know tomboyish prince character who goes Hakanai all the time, and it means fleet. It means fleeting, y'all. Hakanai. Anyway, they've been doing Hello Happy Circle. Is the very like very loose, <laughs> chaotic, as befitting uh, the characters. Uh, live stream, and after four years, they wrapped it up. They did the last one. They're moving to a radio format, I guess. So they did the last live stream uh, this week, and they just showed like a highlight of some of the stupidity that's happened <laughs> over the years on that stream, and it was uh, very enjoyable. And you know, the subtitler community greatly loves that show, and I'm hoping maybe I'm, ho- I'm hoping they uh, they get onto where you at, Shigure? Get onto <laughs> get onto that last episode people the people are calling out for it uh one last shout out i was i was i was confused but it turns out it is happening uh the vinyl pressing there's a brief sickness update the vinyl pressing of utada hikaru's one last kiss the closing theme to uh evangelion 3.0 plus one point times four whatever the fuck the last day of a movie um <laughs> Hikaru's been doing the theme songs for all of them. This is a vinyl, tw- this is a 12-inch with all of the, like, either previous songs that were u- of hers that were used in the movies or original songs she made for the movies. It's all of them kind of amalgamated on one 12-inch. It's only, like, six songs. But it's sold out immediately in Japan. I did not realize that the folks at Milan Records, who did the Cowboy Bebop pressing last year, are doing a, doing a North American pressing mm-hmm. uh, of this. And that pre-order drops next Thursday. So guess where I'm going to be? Because it's a dope-ass song. Um, <laughs> Reading-wise, Breasts and Eggs continues to be fantastic. Um, yeah, I, it's incredibly hard to explain, but it's a, re- it's a really fucking good book. Um, I'm greatly enjoying cool. it. Um, so McCute's birthday is approaching. So packages have been arriving at the house. I'm not a monster. Most of these packages might have a little something-something in there for me, too. <laughs> Listen, I'm already making the order. I suppose. <laughs> Saving on shipping, y'all. Um, Junji Ito's latest uh, short story collection, Love Sickness. Cop that. Not through all of it. I really like his short stories. I tend to like short stories in general, uh, mm-hmm. whoever they're from. <laughs> and the one issue, unfortunately, is that the anime from a few years back covered covered a lot of these. So Right. Like, the main story of Love Sickness, it looks like it was a longer story than they adapted for the anime, but, like, the general premise of the lead story, which is, like, kids who go into these, like, intersections to have their fortune told, um, and on a foggy night, this very beautiful Bishonen type comes through and tells them shit they don't want to hear, and then they uh, slit their throats with box cutters. You know, chill. Yeah, super chill. Super chill. Just a, just a random Tuesday for Junji Ito. God, um, man, I blocked those all out, and now they're coming back, and now I, all I can see is Snail Girl. Yeah! Junji Ito Anthology. Find it on Crunchyroll, y'all. Uh, save it for save it for spoopy season. Um, but, I mean, Junji Ito, he's... I, this is not a thing I like in my life generally, but for some reason, something about him, he just hits different. I don't know why I like it coming it's from him. It's probably because he loves... He's just a nice guy, and he loves cats He's so just much. a super chill guy who really likes cats, and makes horrific comics um despite myself i mean they're only 15 minutes and i need something quick while i was watching it di- while i was making dinner finished way of the house husband oh and 
maybe because I knew what I was going into this time, it tempered my expectations, and I definitely there was much more shortage from me uh, on the on the last two episodes than there were on the first three, which felt like much more of a of a slog to me. There's definitely a quick bit in the opening of one of the episodes where he's playing volleyball, and it's <laughs> it's fantastic. Also, definitely one where like he ends up having to make his own birthday party because his right. his wife and his like you know underling tried to do it and they're terrible <laughs> they can't make a cake they can't clean up they can't decorate so he just has to do it all himself <laughs> anyway it's a dumb show it's 15 minutes an episode it's powerpoint the anime temper your expectations last thing i want to shout out i'm not going to go too far into it uh we talked a while back about how queen season was coming to netflix yeah we did there was i've the- got to put air horns here and like you know those things that clack when you spin them Things that clack. I don't even know how to look that up when I do the drop, but I will. <laughs> things that clack into YouTube. See what happens to my uh, algorithm. But uh, there were two. There was the reframe, which was just like a like stage show they did at a uh, at a theater in Tokyo. And then there was also like it still hasn't come up on Canadian Disney Plus. I have never been able to find it. They're like Disney special, which I'm not in a real rush to <laughs> to check out, frankly. Because <laughs> I mean, you never know. They're girly nerds. I don't want to sit and... I'm not really interested in sitting and watching them talk about, you know, my, The Little Mermaid for 15 minutes. Oh, um, don't be ridiculous. You so are. I didn't say I would never watch it. I just said it's not high on the priority list. Yeah. What I did not know was that also Netflix was going to be broadcasting something called Perfume Imaginary Museum Time Warp. Now, what this was was when their tour got canceled because of the Rona last year... They, it was an anniversary year for them. I swear they're always having anniversary years, but this was the uh, 20 years since they formed, 15 years since they debuted as like a national group. They held an online festival. I mentioned it on the show at the time where this was the thing where like Nochi was playing video games and with their fans and like <laughs> playing Dead by Day- Dead by Dawn or Daylight, whatever that game is, and like savagely murdering <laughs> the fans she was playing with and then adorably <laughs> thanking them for their support. Like it was miraculous. Um <laughs> Yuka went to a cat cafe with some, with some pe- with some people and interviewed them because she loves cats. You know, stupid shit like that. It culminated in this online show that they did, sort of an online concert. It was an hour long, called the Imaginary Museum, and it was a paid event. You had to pay to watch it, and it only like was online for like you know a week or something. And now this whole thing is in glorious you know 1080p on your Netflix. And Kate, yeah. not not going to go into it too long. All I'm going to say is like, it's easily one of the top three things i've ever seen them do this is like if the reframe show was like what they can make with them and their team i mean really we're talking about their production team like what they can do in a space working within a space that like already exists this is like okay what can we do if we build it ourselves so it's like i can't even explain how they do the shit they do it's like a lot of ar when you watch it they are performing they have entered the the stage at the top of the hour and then they are performing as though it is a concert and everything you're seeing is camera work and shit kind of being done live as they perform that's the best that's way so cool. and you you will not believe me as i'm saying that because you will watch it and be like no this was edited to within an inch of its life nah son that's what rhizomatics does that's what the production team does so it's only an hour long it's fucking fantastic they did glitter they haven't done glitter in years i was super amped <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah, that's on your Netflix. Lastly, let's get into it. To my surprise, I knew the finale dropped. I didn't know if she'd be caught up yet. But your girl Katie Mack was really smart, and she parsed it out over the week, so she'd be ready to go come Friday. I am heartbroken 
that one of our followers on Twitter has been calling it Win Win and Wing Wing because I went, that's a fucking much better title. <laughs> God damn it. Damn, son. Shouts to at Frappe underscore monster <laughs> for bringing Win Win and Wing Wing into my life. I'm going to say Falcon and Win Win worked up until this point because now he's Captain America, so it's the, the, he's not the Falcon anymore. So now we can change it. Just going to pretend I didn't know up till now. Caitlin. Yeah. You have seen all of Falcon and Winter Soldier. I have. We will have to drill down into this a bit, I feel like, but your immediate react. It was good. <laughs> it was great. It was good. You did not like it more than WandaVision, I'm gleaning from that. Uh, if you can even compare them. I, I liked the characters better. Mm. The story was so different. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, shout out to Zemo <laughs> and Brule for playing him. Brule speaks four, four languages. Does he? Um, he does. Um, I, I just, I think, yeah, I, I, it, they're just so different. Um, yeah, but, but, uh, Zemo was, was great. Um, I really liked... I really liked the chemistry. I mean, we, the reason they got their show is because, you know, Falcon and Win-Win have chemistry, mm. right? And it, that was just really nice to see. Um, I think they may have had more chemistry than Wanda and... <laughs> than the people who were in love. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not not exactly, but but yes. I mean, um, if, if, fair point. The bromance is um, real. So... Yeah, uh, so yeah, it was good. Most of the season was good. So now we got to talk about the finale, because the finale has people scrunching a bit. The finale has me scrunching, what and do you, I don't like to scrunch. What, Caitlin hates scrunching, y'all. What are you scrunching about? I, it, there were parts that were fine, and I have this like dichotomy of like, it's fine when things turn out a nice way and mm. the way you think it's going <laughs> to f- f- turn out and it's but it's also like boring and like there were things that they did we will talk about the end end credit scene where i was like that was dumb and yeah i just there were a couple times where i was like is this heavy-handed or you know is this legitimately saying something no, I mean, it was saying something. Um, and I think there's a point there. <laughs> but I was like, saying something, yeah. But I was like, but, you know, th- yeah. I-, I like that they did explore the complicated feelings about being a black man in America going rah-rah America. I um, thought I thought the line from episode, I thought Isaiah's line from the episode, uh, the penultimate episode, where he basically says, like, they will never accept a black man as a black Captain America and what self-respecting black man would ever want to. And I was like, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. But also I think there's another side of that, right? Being black in America, I can't comprehend. And I think even people who are black in Canada can't comprehend. It's a very different, there are different worlds. Um, I think the, the point is though that, falcon makes or now captain america makes is that okay that's fair enough but then what is our place well like 
where, where, where do we go then? Are we going to say, well, this isn't our country? We're not going to just disappear and go away and be like, well, it's not my, this is not my battle. This is not my, like, I can see that as well, trying to say, no, what we really need to do is take up our rightful place as leaders and, um, and what we've always been trying to do, which is, you know, um, be, be part of this country. I like that they did talk about it, but at the same time, I understand it's Disney and it's watered down and that's frustrating. So yes. And to that end, um, we have a field report from from the number one fan who (laughs) later told me she, she sent the Ko-Fi donation as a payment for (laughs) making me read all this. Kira, it's fine. You're very smart. Um, she touches on some things that I felt as well. And really you have to look at the show. You don't have to look at the show, but I feel like the show is saying things about all angles of the political philosophical spectrum, right? There are clearly, yeah. there's a, someone is going down the right wing lane. Someone is going down the left wing revolutionary lane and someone's going down the middle. And it's very clear what the show thinks is correct um so just give you some give you some hot hits from from the field report here so she has titled it uh falcon and winter soldier is propaganda (laughs) summarized okay yeah Um, fair enough she mentions the depiction of the military in falcon and winter soldier and how it rubbed her wrong versus how she didn't really mind it in captain marvel whereas captain marvel was a very pro air force movie Quote, I said, this is fine. Yes, it was pro-Air Force, but it didn't feel nauseating disgust that myself and a lot of people my age, especially foreigners, especially leftist foreigners, felt with the show as it went on. Right. The overt message did not come across to me as particularly vicious. This did. We have to talk about the Flag Smashers, because when you really break it down, I said this last week, you had to make Carly evil. Otherwise, everything she's doing makes sense. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally Um, agree. As Kira says, quote, God forbid the enemy of American nationalism, people who want a world without borders. Good Lord. This is, in my opinion, a very obvious representation of Antifa as America sees it. Young people with these ideas that middle America fears is extremism. You can also see tinges of a lot of issues here, like Marxist ideas infecting the youth and so on. Of course, Marvel's villains are stupid, but I'll get to why this was particularly obnoxious. And that comes to Mr. Walker. Ah, yes. This is what Kira says and what I'm saying. I get it's true to the comics. Why does he get a redemption arc? He fucking murdered somebody in the middle of the street. Yes. I mean, now, I actually th- thought that was one of the only things that they did that I was surprised about. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, right. Because this is, this is like three weeks ago for me, but you just saw it. Right. So, yeah. How are you processing so I, the story of Mr. Walker? I was like, oh, I was like, that's. I mean, Chris, weirdly, like, these comics he knows a lot about. He he, he read a whole, like, Marvel arc back in the day about Zemo. Mm. And he was like, he was like, Zemo! He's like, there's so many things I know about this guy that are weird. <laughs> um, there's, like, something about glue when he was in the Captain America comics. I kid you not. Super strong glue. <laughs> um, and then he knew he was American agent. Um, like, straight from the get-go. U.S. agent. Oh, whatever, it's a, it's, US a play, agent. it's a play, Caitlin. It's a pun. I get it, U.S. agent. <laughs> yeah, but, um, and all of that. Um, and 
I don't see. Okay. This is Co- me collect, collect your thoughts. Scrunch, and I'll I'll say what Kira had to say, and yes, you can respond do. to it. Um, here's what she had to say about the character of John Walker. In contrast to the Flag Smashers, we have Walker, who I think represents the right-wing side of things. He's a misguided young war veteran white boy who comes back and fucks up. He murders a guy. Notably, he gets the good guy redemption arc after this while Carly dies. Now, as far as the redemption arc goes, yes, he gets the head nod from from, uh, Bucky and Sam. You know, Elaine from Seinfeld is not walking the path of the righteous. I think that's fairly obvious and is manipulating him to romance. Yeah, he's going to become a villain. Yeah. For sure he is. Um, yeah, so as Kira says, notably, he gets the good guy redemption arc after this while Carly dies, and we get a, oh, but his heart's in the right place kind of vibe. We get that for Carly, too, but she goes too far to be redeemed. Bad optics here with the white boy versus girl of color. But back to John. Uh, war hero murders foreign terrorists in the street. Brought back to America. Nearly court-martialed. Dishonorably discharged. This is so laughable, it's not funny. American police murder their own people in America and get away with it. It's really obnoxious and false. America is not just. It does not work like this, but they want you to think it does. And that is why the crux of this whole series is the scene where Falcon shows up in his American flag outfit and says to Carly, and Carly's like, what the fuck? And Falcon says, I'm trying something new. You should too. Uh, Kira says, this this felt very Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King. This is a message to the youth of America, particularly youth of color. You can try to change things from within the system like Falcon, or you can try and fight the system itself like Carly. And you can fill in the gaps yourself on what what the options, what the show thinks the options are there. Um, I know it seems like a win that Falcon gets acknowledgement for Isaiah and so on, which I did like. But, <laughs> but it really puts bile in my mouth because as much as he pisses off dude bros, it's hiding the real purpose of this franchise, which is quite blatantly trying to say you can change things from within, don't fight it, and B, recruiting Americans, especially black Americans, to the military. They're saying, we made mistakes in the past, but we acknowledge you now, so come join us. As with the Walker's trial, this does not reflect reality. This is why it's propaganda, because Falcon speaks to people and changes things like it's nothing, because the world and the system is inherently just, it just has a few bad eggs, because Carly dies and Walker's sympathetic. She then followed up, <laughs> she sent me a couple tweets that I thought uh, very quickly summarized this and made it humorously clear Disney executive. We want the storyline to be centrism is good, but make it subtle. Falcon win-win showrunners have a fascist and an Antifa try to save a car full of people only to attack each other and fail. Only our centrist heroes able to save it. And the car, a New York police department van. (laughs) The the tweeter who was uh, at renegade apostle said i was like they cannot be serious with this shit but of course they were and then the antifa died but the guy who full-on did a police brutality murder got the nod of respect from sam and bucky like multiple question marks yeah so similar scrunches for you by the time it was over well i mean yes (laughs) i mean (laughs) i i had i had a lot of problems with that last episode um a lot almost everything really she is very deftly put down on on tweet or on message. Um, I what it's, bugged me was always that that killing of people. Mm. It seemed like a strange escalation. It it felt yeah it was very weird. It almost felt more like Marvel Netflix. Like when's the last time we saw like 
I'm so desensitized to violence at this point from all the things you've brought me over the years that like <laughs> doesn't really doesn't really jar me. But like a bloodstained Captain America shield, like I know what they were. I know they wanted the shockingness of that image, but like this was like a PG-13 Marvel thing. Like, has it ever been in the Marvel U proper? We know, you know, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and all that, and Luke Cage are all kind of getting shunted off into alternate uh, reality, mm-hmm. alternate timeline universe. But like, has Wait, it ever are? been? That's I saw a scuttlebutt about that this week. That the character is a sorry late late news, y'all. Charlie Cox oh. and Kristen Ritter might come back as the characters, but they will not be the Netflix. And uh, D'Onofrio might come back as the characters, but not the Netflix versions of the characters. Well, that makes me angry, but I just <laughs> um, Yeah, but I, I don't recall if it's ever been that violent before. Like, people straight up shot in the street. Like, yeah. Has I, it? I, has I, it? I, you tell me. I don't, I don't know. I think it has, but again, I'm also really <laughs> desensitized. I'm just like, this person got murdered. Um, except for torture. We know I can't handle torture. Um, yeah. There were really great things about this show, mostly just surrounded about, like, Zemo and uh, uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon. Um, and, I- of course, I always like it when... Um, when the oh, what are they called? Not mad, magi. Oh, Dora Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje. Um, I always like when they show up. Mm-hmm. They're super cool. Um, but yeah, it definitely there were there were problems. Uh, one last <laughs> there were problems. Before we move on to the last final question, I think the problem I think we've seen now in two of these Marvel shows, and I hope Loki does not purport to be anything other than it is. I think we've had two shows that skated along the edge of interesting issues and then we're like lol jk and <laughs> and kick flipped off and yeah you know skated away onto normal smashy smash type stuff i mean i'm i'm uh, we i hope we knew it was all gonna happen but i'm glad they made sam captain america i you know in, in the parlance of wrestling i marked out a little bit when they changed the title at the end it has been confirmed there will be a fourth captain america movie and Sam will be Captain America. Like I said at the jump, I said the the purpose if the purpose of the show isn't to just make Sam Wilson Captain America, then it has no reason to exist. And it, you know, good job. Yeah. One final question, Caitlin. Yeah. Wackest and weakest Marvel post credit scene. Y slash N. (laughs) Yes, a hundred percent. There's for number of reasons. One. The whole set, like, the whole, I immediately knew she was the shadow, like, immediately. I were, just said, oh, she's the shadow broker. Were, there, was like, were there any OMG shocked articles online saying that they didn't know? They didn't see I, that coming? Like, I don't know, because I don't read takes anymore, because they're stupid. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but in that ending, there was two things. First of all, okay, it would have been if they had done the, like, oh, you've been, you know, uh, pardoned, that would have been fine. We can draw the lines from, okay, she's been pardoned to, she's probably going to use this knowledge to manipulate the system. We didn't need a phone call <laughs> to some random underling being like, Caitlin, get ready. How am I going to make a 47 minute YouTube video uh, musing about who Sharon's on the phone with if she doesn't make the phone call? 
Um, and then also, yeah, I just thought it was. Don't railroad me. It's a valid question. <laughs> it's not a valid question. I, you heard my tongue click. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I was real like, that's it. I was like, this is lame. That's, that's it. Lame. Um, listen, you want to get me back to Madripoor ASAP? I'm a-okay with that. Where's my Madripoor Knights? Uh? Give me my Madripoor Knights show. I want that. And I also was like, really? She's the shadow broker? Like, I also, besides the obvious, I was also like, really? You're saying a woman can't be the power broker of Madripoor, Caitlin? No, I'm saying I don't think her character matches the kind of scum and villainy mm-hmm. one would need to to produce to be to be the shadow broker. Yeah, I suppose the longer you think about it, it's kind of like, why would you be okay with, like, I granted you're mad at America for, like, you know, making you fall on the sword after all that civil war business. But like, also I was pissed that what no one called her, <laughs> Sam, um, Captain America, like nobody called her and nobody worked to get her a pardon. Listen, <laughs> Steve, <sighs> Steve was already like, how you going to get me back in time? <laughs> give me that, give me that sweet swing era, Peggy. Enough of the, enough of the sharing business. Yeah. It seemed like a, seemed like a jump to be like, I'm mad to, I'm going to, uh, you know, create super soldiers on the black market. <laughs> seems yeah. like a, seems like a jump, but anyway, none of this is to say the show's not watching, not worth watching. It's a, no, no, it's got some great bits. It's got some fun. The scene, literally the scene where Sam and Bucky have to look at each other. Um, with the therapist, like that's one of the, it's a great, great scene. And that's why it gets like, there's clips of it all over the place. Um, but listen, I'm like, I bet it took them forever to get through that. And the, <laughs> and the, listen, the two of them, the chemistry of the two of them together, the whole scene where they're like, you know, Bucky goes out to New Orleans and is like, is that where they're from? New Orleans. Um, yeah. New and Orleans. helping him with the boat and they're swinging the shield back and forth. And they're kind of playing that like, Oh, who's going to take up the shield? Maybe it will be Bucky, blah, blah, blah. Um, Bucky clearly thinks it should be Sam, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I like that. He's so mad at him about it. <laughs> like, fucking nut up, Sam. God. And, um, and I'm sorry. Um, uh, what's his name? Actor Sebastian Stan fantastic actor <laughs> he just kind of like yeah i mean it helps that i don't know him at all <laughs> like i don't know any i can't be like yeah he was in xyz so to me he just is bucky like he just kind of melts into that character um yeah but he, he's really good at it he's gonna be a young skywalker too isn't he no is that i just, just keep on just... saying that <laughs> <laughs> me and the whole internet has that not been rumored or <laughs> i thought that was confirmed is that not confirmed no, I'm sure I would have heard about it if it was confirmed. <laughs> Are you sad it's not confirmed? Is that, is that what that noise is Yes, for? I okay. am sad it's not confirmed. <laughs> Give him the lightsaber, Disney, for fuck's sake. He's already in-house. Uh, yeah, if you're throwing for me, if you're throwing kick punches at the entire season, which you have to view it as a season, because it's basically like a movie, um, I give it like a seven, seven and a half. It was fine. It was a good time. Yeah. Eight, eight, for, eight. eight for Sam and Bucky, just themselves. Yeah, um, and... and and Zemo. <laughs> you, you were kind of off grid, so if you haven't gone back and found all the dancing Zemo memes, I mean, that's pretty that's pretty good time, oh. too. I, yeah, apparently, as soon as it came up, Chris was like, oh, I've seen that meme. <laughs> dancing Zemo. Uh, friends, there's enough to talk about. 
with Falky and Win Win. I can't let it go. I'm sorry. I objectively know Win Win and Wing Wing is a better name, but <laughs> <laughs> you always be Falky and Win Wing to me. Um, hit us up. Let us know your thoughts about it. We are interested to hear what folks have to say, especially if you are from other parts of the world. Let us know what you thought of <laughs> the Disney American propaganda machine. Friends, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, it's a, it's a rare occasion, but a beloved occasion. Kate brought a nature documentary, y'all. Yeah, I did. And I have opinions. <laughs> He's got opinions, y'all. We're going to get into that when we come Brace back. Brace yourself. Good Lord. Nature documentary opinions. We have to we have to take a break. I have to steal myself for these opinions. So we're going <laughs> to pause right here. When we come back, I'm going to be fortified to get all these takes on David Attenborough's Life in Color after this break. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the things that we brought each other. And this week, I brought Jordan a very special documentary. (laughs) Um, But before we get into it, we have some rules. The first rule being the rule of three. That is, if the thing comes in parts or episodes, we have to watch three of them so we get a sense of what the thing is trying to become. And in this case, it doesn't really – it was a documentary. It's well-produced. Didn't really need to do that, but I did watch all three episodes, and I am glad I did, and I will speak to that in a moment. Before that, we have the second rule, which is hashtag save it for the pod. That is the rule that we will not talk about the thing that we brought each other before we are in front of these microphones. Isn't that right, Jordan? Yeah. You pause I didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything this week. You can pause and I'll stir and look for. <laughs> you just have a tendency to like that rule is just like it's a suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Sometimes it is. But. The third rule, which isn't really a rule at all, it is more of a policy, is that there will be spoilers. Can you spoil a documentary? Hey y'all, animals exist. Whoops, spoiled it for you. There we go. I'm glad that's out of the way now. I would have been really <laughs> worried, I might oh, say. Oh, man. Um, so, and that's it. That's everything. That's, that's it. Friends, that's it. over the years, this program has done an alarming number of nature documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> from the all-time, uh, um, you know I'm going to confuse them, from the all-time Hall of Fame selection of t- t- Hidden Kingdoms. Hidden Kingdoms, that's Hid- right. Hidden Kingdoms is the GOAT of nature documentaries on this show. Yep. Tiny Creatures is the imposter to the throne. <laughs> so upset. T- Tiny Creatures is the uh, animal documentary version of You Tried It. You Tried It and You Failed. Yeah. And I do love it when Caitlin McKinnon <laughs> brings in a nature documentary, which is what happened this week. Kate, what did you bring in? What did you have to have? What did you have to have us go in on this week? I brought in Life in Color with David Attenborough on Netflix. Yes, she did. Um, it is a, like, legitimately, this is this is all you're getting. It's exploring the many ways animals use color throughout their lives. Yep. That's yep. it. That's it. Thanks for coming out, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so 
Caitlin, uh, just, Caitlin, before, yeah. before we get into anything, explain yeah. to the people, I'm sure you can probably just do this from memory. I'm putting you a little on the spot, but I'm sure you can do it by memory. Yeah. Why should we care that David Attenborough's name is attached to this? Who, um, who is David Attenborough? Oh, I see. Uh, David Attenborough um, has been a, I think he's a naturalist, um, which is someone who basically explores the natural world. Um, Passionate amateur. Yes. Sorry. He is a natural historian. Oh, okay. Um, So he uh, has presented, narrated, um, and just been involved in creating uh, BBC natural history documentaries for, at this point, centuries, I really think. (laughs) I think I saw some clip that said he has, at this point, done series presented in black and white color HD and, like, now 4K or whatever. Like, every, every, like, like, Five generations of video resolution David Attenborough has been doing nature documentaries on. That's how long he's been Um, in the game. And he, I mean, there's so much about just the man, um, but he also has this incredibly soothing voice. It is like the most upper crusty British soothing voice and anything he said i would believe he could tell me that there were like trees on the moon and i'd be like oh <laughs> that's really interesting david attenborough tell me more sir david attenborough um yeah i just he he has a very it's and that's part of the reason i legitimately believe people have come to love nature documentaries is because they got this really good presenter and narrator in David Attenborough and he sort of set the bar for the genre and now we've seen other people narrate but it, it showed the importance of having a good narrator and someone who knows what they're talking about so as an aficionado of nature documentaries yes how did you feel about this one initially I felt really good about it <laughs> Um, oh. first two episodes went down very smooth, was really interested. Um, so in, it, not just did they talk about, you know, um, how animals use color in the natural kingdom. They also talked about, um, how animals see color. Yes. As mentioned in the trailers and, and quite a bit of the, uh, marketing for this show, they got fancy new cameras now and, and ways to set them up that they can simulate how animals see the world. So this is everything from like being able to see polarized light to being able to see um, in ultraviolet to be able to see um, how say a deer would see, or a lot of mammals would see, which is without the cone that distinguishes between green and red. Um, So like, for example, one thing they spend a lot of time on in the show is like, Let's talk about, like, initially you would think there's not much there there. It's like, oh, it's animals and colors. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. There is some, there are some factoids that are to be found in there, specifically about how other animals perceive color, or how, like, a lot of the most colorful creatures are generally birds and uh, insects. Yeah. Because they can perceive it. It's very rare to find colorful mammals, although they do exist, and they spend some time talking about, like, mandrels, which are terrifying. <laughs> So terrifying. Um, 
cool as shit looking, but terrifying. And specifically, like, why is a tiger, like, orange and, like, orange with these black stripes? Like, it just seems like it would stand out so starkly on, like, you know, these kind of, like, desert plains or, like, some, like, grassland type of areas. But they simulate, like, what a deer sees. And, and you're like, where the fuck is that thing? It's a lot because they can't, because like Kate said, they lack one of the visual receptors to recognize that color. They don't, it just looks like a, it just looks green like everything else, right? So yeah. if it makes it harder for them to spot it, they can still see it. They can see the movement. But, you know, if it's, I think in the third episode, it's mentioned that like, you know, that's the difference between if you pot, you know, if a deer pauses for like three seconds to make sure like, is that something that's trying to kill me? You probably did. Like, yeah. And, and okay. So at all of that, great. Let's talk about that third episode. First of all, you tricked me. Number one, you tricked me with the rule of three. I didn't think, I didn't think watched all of life in color was going to be a thing on my like Netflix history. <laughs> <laughs> you tricked me, you roped me in with the rule of three and I was halfway through episode two. And I was like, I think I got a handle on this. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, I think I know what this is about, but no, good faith, good faith. I'm gonna watch the third episode, and I was like, what was the fourth one even about? And it was like trailer. I was like, oh, Caitlin, yeah, <laughs> you fucking got me. So the fourth, third episode is basically a BT, well, a BTS of the first two episodes. Yeah, I was pissed. <laughs> you were mad. I was pissed for a number of reasons. A, this documentary needed to be longer. Oh shit. Three episodes? Are you kidding me? Like two and a half episodes. Yeah, basically. The third episode was a rehash of, like, a bunch of stuff they already talked about. But then we got to see the cool behind the scenes. And I was like, really what this needed to be was two longer episodes. And you should have talked about, as you were doing the stuff with the tiger, I didn't need it. They literally used scenes and dialogue. It was the same footage, yeah. Yeah, that they had used before. And I was like, oh, that is not cool. And then they they talked about something which I was so th that was just a whole other I was like I almost stopped it I was like what the fuck is this shit and then like the stuff about the cameras I was like why were they not doing this in the earlier part of the documentary mm. then the second thing which I've had issues with in the past mm. which is the way in which and there's actually been quite a few uh, articles that have come up about this the way in which. Uh, nature documentaries make it seem as though we still have these large expanses of untouched wilderness, mm. which we don't. <laughs> and I think it's become, I could see initially wanting to like show people a world they've never seen before. But I think now if you don't talk about the impact we're having on these environments and what impact that can have is irresponsible. Honestly, now and honestly, I didn't. A documentary. I had some, I had some uh, apprehension going into this because I was going to be like, I'm, so, I'm going to fucking yell that for three hours um, <laughs> about how <laughs> brutally we're mistreating the environment, and it really didn't do that. It skate again, skating against it. David Attenborough just kind of kick flipped up on like, you know, <laughs> the Great Barrier Reef is dying, but it might be getting better. <laughs> kick flip by, um, yeah. which I found surprising. I thought, I honestly thought it was going to. It was well, it's because he just, did, he just did a uh, documentary about how we're destroying our world. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, like literally like last fall, I think it came out. Uh, so 
it's because he just did a, a documentary. Um, came out, I think, fall of 2020. It was definitely 2020, though. But it was called David At- Attenborough: A Life on Our Planet. Um, well, it was more about him, right? Like, and everything he's seen. Well, it, uh, yes, yes, and no. Like, it did go through some of his history, but it was a broadcaster recounts his life and the evolutionary history of life on Earth to grieve the loss of wild places and offer a vision for the future. And the first episode is is like it opens in like around like where Chernobyl affected the area in Russia. Like cool, Ch- chill hang, chill hang. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so like just to show like the devastation and stuff. So, uh, and he talks about the loss of green spaces on the in the world, and you know the cutting down of rainforests. Like it is a it was hard for 2020. <laughs> so I like stopped watching it. I like full on was like I can't take anymore. Like I got more than halfway through the first episode, and I was just like I can't not right now. <laughs> um, and so yeah. Um, so he does like in this third episode in the like second half of the third episode, he talks about the, you know, the barrier reefs um, and what's going on with them. And he talks about, um, you know, in Scotland and other Arctic areas, like in Canada where uh, the, the snow is melting too fast or the habitat is changing because of global warming, the animals can't respond to it. And, because of that their numbers are dwindling like polar bears are starving because there's like not enough ice and stuff (laughs) like it's it's insane um so he that and i yeah i understand you didn't want to get yelled at for you know three hours but i do think it's important to talk about these things because they in the first two episodes it does show these like it looks like vast spaces um, that are still around when really we're really encroaching and we're going to lose all these animals. Um, and I think that's the only way to, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, responsibly make a nature documentary. Here's one thing I noticed about in my experience of watching this show, which um, one thing you need to realize is that as with all nature documentaries, it's probably better if you're stoned. Smoke weed every day. As I, don't, oh, yeah. as I don't generally partake, I can't speak to that. It's just my assumption. My version of being stoned is to uh, produce a one-man Jesus and Mero episode while the entirety through the entirety of the episode, <laughs> where it's like talking about some. The first episode is mostly about like mating dances and like and color and birds and how it's used, which is primarily for mating. And <laughs> it's just every time some, you know, when that hummingbird was like flaring out its neck feathers, and I'm just sitting in my apartment alone, going, "Pow! What you know about it, baby? Come get some of this." <laughs> get some of that sweet hummingbird D and then she's like mm, yeah you alright you can smash it's just how yeah. I need just how I need to entertain myself for these um, but one thing I did notice and I don't know if this is a trend <laughs> I don't know if this speaks to the larger trend of nature documentaries another reason why generally I don't like watching them is because they usually have some kind of gnarly shit in it right like oh man some, oh, some, man. An- some, some antelope's gonna get its fucking guts ripped out or something and it's like you know oh that stuff's cool but there was stuff in this show that i had to turn away from really a hundred percent well tell me in a minute because the one thing i noticed was that that like it had me wondering about like if you're cute the full savagery of nature will not be on display but if you're an insect it's fair game because <laughs> the only like the only circle of life shit you see in this is like when these poor ass bees just keep going into going into flowers where the dope color changing spider is and just murking them one after the other. 
that's the only time you ever really see any death on this show is when like you know these bugs are getting taken out and it actually made me wonder is like are you shying away from like mammalian homicide <laughs> like <laughs> i know that's i know that's a contradictory statement but like you know you expect like every time when that tiger was getting ready to get like some deer like the cheetah's coming through for the zebra it's like oh man stripey's going down <laughs> stripey did not um, go down i guess i don't that stuff i don't really mind what for me the problem was was the flies on those animals on the savannah it was the it was the part about zebras and their stripes. I remember I remember the bit about flies, but I think I started cleaning up while it played in the background at that oh. point because I, I so watched the, the bit flies, about zebras. So they have this thing they call see this is why it's so cool. Zebras have black and white stripes, which you would think not great, but it basically works the same way as the zazzle. I can't remember what they call it on those ships in the I think it was the First World War. Um, they kind of confuses. How yeah, you see so them. Get all up in your vision. Yeah, and you can't gauge properly. So that's why the cheetah will miss it because the, a bunch of them and it, the, all the patterns are confusing. And even when they did it on the screen, I was like, oh, God, I'm so nauseous. Poor cheetah. Um, he's just trying to catch a meal. <laughs> uh, but then they said also it seems to work the same with flies, that flies can't seem to land on zebras accurately so they just fuck off oh. and so they show they kept on showing all these animals that had like poor oh, ass, poor ass yak just covered in flies like and shit hundreds but like right around their eyes and their mouth and their nose and i like even thinking about it now i want to vomit <laughs> and i couldn't look at it both of chris and i were like <laughs> like stop we get it uh that was the only time and then I think there was one other time it was showing something weird, and I was like, I don't like it. It was like some bird's mouth or something. I was like, I don't like it. Oh, with the that bird that's like a is it the cuckoo that does that too, or are they just like straight yes, up, straight yeah, up, dro- the they straight up dro- drop their eggs into another bird's nest and just like, yeah, take, yeah. take care of this shit <laughs> and bounce. So, so, uh, so we were watching that part of it where it's basically showing that this this bird that you know. Like Jordan just said, it's like a cuckoo bird where the bird drops its uh, egg into another bird's nest, and that species of bird will take care of it, and it grows much bigger than than the rest of the birds, and and then fucks off. And and Chris just see this is why nature documentaries are great that you come up with the best lines. Chris was like, uh, and then you see a, a basically footage of this beautiful bird um, after it's grown up, and he's like, yeah, I stole all your shit. And now I'm hot. <laughs> and it was. It was like this beautiful, elegant bird with this very long tail. It's like, I eat all your food, and now I'm sexy as fuck. Um, yeah, so these are documentaries. For, for me, it was like with the, the one bird with like the blue like uh, curls on the back of its tail. And he's yes. like, he starts putting the call out. And he's about like, I'm about to, I'm about to lay this down. Who wants some? And at first it's yeah. like. First, he attracts a number of males. They're not there to mate. They're there to learn. And I'm like, yeah, they try to get this pimp game laid out for him. <laughs> <laughs> peep peep uh, game, youngin. Peep game. Yeah. About to smash all this bird ass. And he did. He did smash that he bird He did. Ass. He smashed so much bird ass. I'm the president of hitting that ass. <laughs> Friends, this is why I don't immediately roll my eyes whenever Caitlin hands me a nature documentary, because I know I'm going to get moments like that. And I'm learning Actually, at the same time. The one thing I did wonder, because there was another scene that blew us away, and we actually rewound so we could watch it again. How are you with the 
underwater things? Did you just do you just skip those? Well, it's funny. I told someone cute that I had a nature documentary to do this week, and there's a whale one on Disney Plus right now. And she was like, "That that whale one." I was like, "No, no, she knows better." Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not evil. Would, would not even. That's on. That's not even a starter. That's not even a starter at that point. Um, but yeah, the, the second the second the homie Dave came out and he was like, you know, oh, colors are not only. <laughs> It's not only landed creatures who use color to their advantage. It also happens under the sea. And I'm like, you, you, you treading, Dave. You treading. See, tread, tread lightly. We go see how this goes. Um, but no, it's generally like Nemo fish and like, you know, chill hangs. One shark goes so, through that. I was a little like, eh, eh, but. But then you got to see the fucking mantis shrimp, the peacock mantis shrimp. Listen. Punch. A crab's arm Fucking cold-cocked a crab's arm straight off. Listen, friends, if you know nothing... Now, listen, would have blew my mind more if I hadn't seen that viral oatmeal comic from, like, eight years ago, where he was just like, this is the greatest animal I've ever heard of. <laughs> I have never seen that. What? So it did blow my mind. What? You were, you, were you unfamiliar with the mantis shrimp before this? Yes. Oh, my God. Kate, you need to find it. The dude who does the onion... Or not the onion, yeah. the oatmeal, did, like, the, a comic just celebrating the mantis shrimp, which is, like... It's just the meanest motherfucker in the ocean. It's covered in, like, rainbow scales. It's, like, this beautiful crustacean-looking thing. It's got eyes that can see in, like, every direction independently. And then something with the way it, like, pressurizes water in its own body or something means it can, like... It's got these two arms in front that can punch with, like, the force of a tornado. It's, like, insane. So, yeah, yeah. when he punches that crab, his <laughs> fucking arm flies off. Yeah, and well, it not even flies off. You think it's fine at first, and then all of a sudden, its arm drifts away from its body. <laughs> slow motion, like no. <laughs> it's not real slow motion. It's just water. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. So uh, yeah, shouts to uh, smashing bird ass. Shouts to uh, rainbow mantis shrimps. Shouts to the ridiculousness of fiddler crabs. Oh my god, with their giant claws. Those things are those things are just wild. It's like when I was uh served ice cream in that ice cream parlor and my right arm was just like super buff. God damn it. Just one swole Popeye arm coming out of the ice cream parlor every night. Oh my god. Um as much as you didn't like the third episode, I will say the there's a segment <laughs> about these <laughs> these really tiny colorful frogs um that develop different colors depending on the island they're on. That's yeah. rather interesting. Also, um <laughs> they always have beef with each other. But it's like <laughs> the cute. That was actually yes. It's the cutest, lamest beef ever. Like yeah, even the the scientist is like they just it's they don't really, they don't have, they don't have claws they don't have teeth they just kind of like they just, they just kind of slap each other, each other around a little bit <laughs> and, and and so then I turned into Jim Ross and it's like <laughs> watching a nature documentary and when that one frog like kind of flips the other it's like oh an RKO out of nowhere. <laughs> um. But I and just, he's down! And he's down! <laughs> the frog's got a family. Um, <laughs> so, I mean... It's not appointment viewing. I'm not going to say I wasn't on my phone for a lot of it. Because it was. Um, 
But there are some tidbits in there, some things that maybe you hadn't thought about about the natural world. And there's some gems, some gems yeah. in there. And if you got some, if you are fortunate enough to be able to, you know, congregate with people and you can get more than two people in a room with you, it's real great to commentate on with a group of or friends. Or do it, do one of those Netflix parties. <laughs> do, do a Netflix party. I'm not encouraging anybody to uh, partake in certain substances. If you find it improves your viewing experience, by all means. Um, as a sober viewer, it's like a six. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't like under no other circumstance would I have been watching this if Caitlin, unless Caitlin had made me. But it, it's a seven because there are some things that were really like I really liked seeing how animals perceived things. I thought that was really neat. Um, it was it was that yeah that was a seven. But that third episode and like how they fucked up <laughs> six point five. Well. Friends, it's on your Netflix. You can let us know what you thought about your nature learning experience on Twitter at GeekdownPod. Get up off Twitter. We will be delighted to hear your thoughts as always. And friends, I believe that's going to do it for us for another week. We thank you so much for spending your time with us as you do. It truly means the world to us. We'll be back next week. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Right um, before you do that, I gotta, I gotta change positions. And I gotta make these sounds as I do it. Change positions, <gasps> work the middle. Change positions, changing positions. Work the changing positions. Rock the boat, okay. Rock the boat. Rest in peace, baby. Girl.